Welcome to the Variety Hour, where local leaders talk Memphis. Listen to you, move your mouth. I bet you come from way down south. Now don't tell me, let me guess. You from the town that I love best. Talk Memphis, I wish you would. Talk Memphis, you sound so good. Talk Memphis, high on the bluff. I swear I can't get enough. Welcome to Talk Money. And now here's your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, welcome to today's program. I'm Jim Shoemaker. Thanks for tuning in. Recently, I was visiting some friends of mine in Adamsville, Tennessee. We were having dinner at a local family restaurant and having a great conversation with the owner, a very friendly and a personable guy. And I want to tell you the story because he asked me during the conversation where we were from, and I said, Memphis waiting for him to say something kind of uh, not so pleasant about my city. But to my surprise, he mentioned what he enjoyed so much in Memphis and had, had made the trip every year for as long as he could remember with friends and family and just bringing his kids. It was the singing Christmas tree and the Memphis Passion Play. My guest today is the creator and former director of the singing Christmas tree at, at Memphis Passion Play at Bellevue Baptist Church, Dr. Jim Whitmire. And Dr. Whitmire is the current Minister of Music at Crossroads Baptist Church, and he is here to share with us what will be happening April the 11th through the 14th at Mid-America Seminary on Appling Road at I-40. You do not want to miss what he's going to talk about. Also with me is Jason Harrington, the best, biggest financial regrets people have made. And this information everybody will want to hear. And here's some information from our Did You Know files. The S&P 500 gained 13.6% during the first quarter of 2019. The average first quarter gain for the index in the last 25 years has been only 1.7%. Now, the S&P has gained an average of 9.8% per year over the last 50 years. 88% of the stocks in the index were trading at a price at the close of business on Friday, March the 25th that was higher than where they ended up December of 2018. Now, here's something for you. Since the beginning of 1950, 69 years ago, the S&P 500 has been up 66% of the quarters. That's 183 out of the 277 quarters. Now, that's pretty good information. It comes from our BTN research people. We appreciate what they do for us. Remember, though, past performance is not a guarantee of future performance. Well, speaking of the future, here's something for you. Future planning the Government Accountability Office has recently published this information stating that 48% of households in America headed by individuals at least age 55 have no, I repeat, no retirement savings. 26% have a defined contribution plan. That's a 401k or an IRA, but no defined benefit pension plan. And the remaining 26% have both a defined contribution and a defined benefit plan. But listen, 48% have no plan for retirement. Speaking of retirement, you must prepare for it. This is, a, this is from the Social Security Administration. They say that 65-year-old, a 65-year-old American couple, both being 65, has a 48% chance that at least one of them will live to be age 90. Wow. 
At least that's a 25-year life expectancy after 65. And that is a long time, last time I calculated, if you retire at 65. So you've got to prepare for it. You'll want to listen to what Jason talks about in the second half of the program. In my case, I'm pretty sure who will make it to age 90 in my family. It won't be me. If you have questions for Shoemaker Financial, just give us a call or for Talk Money. Send them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com to, to find today's program on podcast or past programs. Go to the iTunes store and search for Shoemaker Financial. Be sure to like us on Facebook. We appreciate it. Coming up, Dr. Jim Whitmire, Mid-America Passion Play. You do not want to hear what miss what he's going to tell us. And Jason Harrington, the biggest financial regrets people have made. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and you're listening to The Voice, KWAM 990 and FM 107.9. This is Talk Money. Podcasts of Talk Money are available in the iTunes store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with more Talk Money after this. Neither Securing Financial Services, Inc. nor Shoemaker Financial are affiliated with Mid-America Baptist Theological Seminary, Crossroads Baptist Church, or Jim Whitmire. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, welcome back. As I was talking earlier in the monologue, I have a very special guest today. I have a very special guest today under the direction of Dr. Jim Whitmire, Mid-America Baptist Theological Seminary and Crossroads Baptist Church will be putting it together this year. It's titled, Lord, I Believe. Well, you don't want to miss it. It's April the 11th through the 14th, and I am so blessed to have with us Dr. Whitmire. Welcome to the program, sir. Thank you, Jim. It's good to be here. Well, it's good to have you here. Always, (laughs) sir. We do this every year. We talk about what goes on with the Mid-America Passion Play. And, you know, I know it's a it is a an event. And I was I, you know, people say, well, you got to have made this up. I didn't make it up. The the monologue I was talking about, the the owner of the restaurant that my wife and some friends of ours were having dinner. And literally we got to talking and, and he asked where we from. And I told him Memphis and I and I kind of you know how when you say sometimes to Memphis, I'm from Memphis and you go, they're going to say, <laughs> oh, you know, something bad. But he was so he said he was so excited and I invited him because he said, well, since Bellevue's no longer doing the Passion Play, he misses it. And I was able to tell him, hey, there is a place you can come to Mid-America. Oh, that's great. Yes, uh, uh, right across the street from Bellevue right is across the seminary. The street, right. And we'll do it five nights uh, starting April uh, the 11th on Thursday night, Thursday night, Friday night, two performances Saturday and one Sunday night. Now, it's the Easter program. And, and from a from a religious Christian standpoint, Easter is the pinnacle. I mean, a lot of people would say Christmas, the birth, but we get too commercial sometimes with Christmas and all the things. But the Passion Play, Easter is kind of that moment in that everybody stops and says, we need to think about Easter. Yes, it's uh, the, we're, we're telling the story of the last week of Christ's life from the the triumphal entry through the uh, Passover and the crucifixion and then the resurrection. And it's, it's just the, the, part of of Christianity that that is uh, our whole basis. It is the basis. I mean, the fact is you go from the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. It's just, uh, it is what Christianity is all about. Yes. Yes. Now, this year, I know in the past, you've told the story using the theme or the thought process, Mm -hmm. the Scarlet Thread. But you've changed that this year. This year, the title, or it's entitled, Lord, I Believe. It's a new theme. It's a new script. 
It's talking about the 12 disciples, which we're privileged to have one of them with us here oh, today. Oh, yes. Uh, Ted Miner <laughs> does a great job as Peter. It's Peter. And yes. Ted, of course, most of you recognize Ted. Ted was on the program last week, and uh, he is one of our advisors at uh, Shoemaker Financial. Ted, welcome to the program. Jim, it is great to be here, really. Well, Thank you know, you. the thing I, I, you know, I can, I'm trying to imagine you as Peter, but. Uh, you know, knowing Peter's personality and knowing Ted, you did a great it's job perfect. in casting. <laughs> it's perfect. Ted, what do you get from doing the program? I mean, you have been the you know part of the program for the three years that it's been at Mid America. Tell me what happens in your life as you go through. Well, that. first of all, I'll say that Jim has a way of kind of pulling the most out of you, and it has increased every year. It seems like every year there's something else that he's pushing you to do. <laughs> you wait till five years from now. Oh, let me tell you, and I'm I'm twice the age of what Peter was, but. Uh, but I tell you, it is a great – right now we're going through the mechanics of trying to get a lot of things done, but it's amazing when we're in practice, Jim is always reminding us of what the Scripture says, and we're always going back to the biblical references to get it ex- as close as we can to the way the Bible portrays Christ's life. But so it is. It's a it's a worship time, and and there are many times where you get emotional, even during practice. I'm sure when you see a lot of the scenes. Well, I can remember in the years that we you did it at Bellevue, how how emotional I was, you know, as I would watch things, and how you know every year I would see it, and every year I would there would be something that it spoke to me every time. It it would you know whether it was the disciples or whether just the way it was put together, the way you directed it, the way God blessed it, the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit was there. It's just always been a program that you couldn't walk out of there and think I've missed the gospel. No way. Yes. Adrian Rogers, of course, the pastor, uh, when I was there, uh, loved it so much because he uh, he never tired of the gospel story, and it gave him a chance at the end to stand up and give the plan of salvation. And we would have literally hundreds and thousands saved each year mm. with those with those programs, and especially uh, the uh, passion play uh, mm. there, but it, passion play is something that that Christians have been doing for two thousand years. I mean, they were doing passion plays in the uh, first century and in medieval. They would do it on the steps of the cathedrals. But a picture is worth a thousand words, and um, just to see Jesus baptized. I know uh, one of my grandsons uh, had been saved, but he had never been baptized, and. He was in the production as one of the disciples, and uh, he saw the baptism, and all of a sudden it clicked in his mind, I need to be baptized. And so we baptized him. Uh, another lady brought her two grandsons who, who were young boys. They had been saved but had not been baptized, and when they saw Jesus baptized on stage, then they were baptized. So it, 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 it's each and every time it's 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 giving that image. You know, you have to say this too. There's so many people that may not read the Bible, mm-hmm. they may not understand it, they may hear a sermon, but we are visual learners. Yes. And what you're doing, and this, as you said, two thousand years ago, we taught people by visual acting out. I mean, yes. the stage was a way of teaching people something. And so the passion play, as you depict it now, as you directed it, is teaching people the gospel. Well, there there are little details that in I worked 38 years with Adrian Rogers, and uh, he would come and watch some of the rehearsals. And I know one year we were depicting uh, Jesus turning the the water into wine at the wedding feast, and. And so I had I had the um, the ladies the servers you know pouring one jug into the other and we'd worked it out where it turned red as it poured and so forth and he said Jim 
He said, what you're doing, he says, you just have two jugs up there. He says, you, you really need six. And I said, why is that? He said, because the Bible says there's so. six. Yeah. So let's make it very, yeah. very, yeah. you know. So, and then he went on and, and, and explained a sermon of why there were six. But And we can't do that to the audience, but I think those details yes. uh, give give a, a, a weight to the whole program. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, if you just tuned in, my guest is Dr. Jim Whitmire and Ted Miter one of our advisors from Shoemaker Financial, Mid-America Baptist Theological Seminary and Crossroads Baptist Church have joined together to present Lord, I Believe. That's the production title for 2019. It's a new theme. It's a new script. One of the 12 disciples, Thomas, of course, we know him as Doubting Thomas, and he all of a sudden says he don't really believe that the disciples have seen Jesus in the flesh and will not believe and the resurrection of Jesus until he sees the nail prints in Jesus' hands and puts his hands in Jesus' side where the spear pierced it. And they're going to act that out, the whole process, and let Thomas believe during this whole program. Yes. Thomas is being played for the first time by one of our Mid-America students. And uh, we the scene opens, the first scene, the, the resurrection night when Jesus appeared to the 12 disciples, but Thomas wasn't there. And so when Thomas comes in, uh, he is absent, and as you just stated, he says, I will not believe until I you know, touch his hands and put my hand in his side. And then we, we go through the script as they think back on the week of the, before of the, of the um, triumphal entry, the Passover, and we act all of that out, and then we go through the crucifixion. And uh, and then Thomas at the end makes uh, one of the greatest statements uh, of of any of the disciples. He said, "Lord, I believe." Mm. And Thomas was a pessimist, but Jesus was very kind to him. And uh, when uh, John MacArthur has written a book called um, Twelve Ordinary Men," yeah. and and he he's very kind to Thomas. Uh, because of Thomas' great declaration of of belief and, and saying, "Lord, I believe," and he and uh, tradition and uh, uh, secular history tells us he went on to India to be a missionary. And in fact, they have uh, churches to, uh, with his name on it there. And uh, and also tradition tells us that he was martyred by having a spear. He was mm. killed uh, with a spear, which spear. is which is interesting to think of the touching the spear in Jesus' right. side, but. It's so important for, I think, for us to know the the story and just take it from the eyes of the disciples yes. as they walk through telling their story and literally getting to the point where Thomas does say, mm-hmm. Lord, I believe, is a way of just letting people, those of us that some are pessimistic, right. uh, you mm-hmm. know, that's a natural tendency for some of our personalities right. to say, eh, you know, I yeah. might have been one of those. Yeah. I might have been saying, show me, you know, yeah. uh, I'm yeah. like, wait a minute. Even though you walk with Christ for three years, as the disciples yeah. did, you know, I mean, death, burial and, and resurrection. I mean, you know, you have yeah. to say, well, I can see Thomas having to deal with that yeah. and being an, an, from that yes. standpoint. How was Peter doing, Ted? Peter's Peter's doing good. You know, of course, I'm involved in the conversation with Thomas. That's part of the process. They will they'll go back and forth to to the events on stage to us having this conversation of Thomas. Don't you remember this? And don't you remember that? And, and Thomas is still struggling with that decision of of having a bodily resurrection right. of of Jesus Christ. And we're reminding him what Jesus said and the things that we that we saw during the process. 
I think that's critical. Again, it's a way of visual learning, whether you're 6 or 60. It's a way of learning the gospel and understanding that. If you'd like to get tickets, you can go to M-A-B-T-S, that's Mid-America Baptist Theological Seminary, dot E-D-U forward slash Passion Play. Cost is $10 to $15. There's nobody paid to do this. These are volunteers. It's just to cover the expenses of all the things, the unit, the the, the um, costumes and all the things to do that. Mid-America, Mid-America Baptist Theological Seminary, it's at the chapel. That's 2,095 Apple. Road, Cordova, Tennessee. And of course, the telephone number there is 901 751 8453. Jim, let me ask you this. Uh, we've got a few minutes left. And I, I guess you've done this for 40 plus years. I mean, yes. I'm not sure how long you, you don't look a day over that you did 20 <laughs> years ago. I don't know what you take, it's but all you're doing great, man. You're doing absolutely <laughs> super. What do you look back in your history and remember, not only the, the Passion Play, but the singing Christmas Tree that you feel has been the impact that you wanted to have? The legacy is about Jesus, mm-hmm. not about Jim Whitmire. But what have you seen that you know that's what I really was called to do? The the wonderful thing uh, I've seen are the uh, lives changed and, and the people who are saved. I know Adrian Rogers through, um, we've, I figured at one time it's almost like eight or 900 performances of the tree and the passion play that we've done through the years. Uh, he loved telling the plan of salvation after the audience had, had seen this and, um, and he he would say um, he would get, we would give out an offering envelope, and he would say uh, this is an offering envelope to to give. But he said uh, on it is a place where you check that you prayed to receive Christ. And he says if you did not come prepared to give anything tonight, he said please check the box because that means more to us than anything you could put in the offering plate. And then we were able to those who, who wanted uh, a follow-up, we could follow up with them. But uh, there were over 100,000 professions of faith in those days. Some, uh, we averaged in the 90s, uh, 2,500, 2,600 professions of faith each production. Each production. And so it was, it was well worth it to, to present those. Well, you can understand why this particular individual, the restaurant owner in Adamsville, Tennessee, said one of the most important things he did was bring his family and his friends to the Singing Christmas Tree and the Memphis Passion Play in Memphis, Tennessee. It was such an impact in his life that when we were talking, and I mentioned Memphis, he said, oh, that's what that's I wonderful. remember so much about coming to Memphis. Jim, I think that's what Thank so many you. people really do appreciate. Ted. All the cast, all those involved, can you sum up what they see they're doing right now? Do you Can you tell us kind of from the cast standpoint? Well, I think everybody gets excited. You know, certainly Jim's part has a lot to do with it, being able to come there, knowing his experience. We're, there's, it's, a, it's a Bible study in many times because Jim, Jim will bring out, just as he did the reference there of the, of the uh, turning the water into wine, you know, he'll say, this is what the Bible says, and we've got to portray it this way. And it's a special. Certainly, it's it's in a, uh, there's plenty of prayer, and and we huddle up and we pray for our parts, and we pray for the scenes, and we pray for the people that are coming. And it is a it is a revival for many of us going through this and uh, you know in, in such detail because we're yeah. we're Friday night, we're practicing Friday night, we're practicing Saturday, we're practicing Sunday, we're practicing Monday, practicing Tuesday. 
We we rest you on Wednesday. You think you guys going to get it? I don't know, but uh, Thursday is our I first performance next week. We're next hoping week, right. next Thursday, yeah. April the eleventh through the fourteenth. The cost is ten dollars and fifty cents. Ten dollars and fifty cents. Ten dollars and fifteen dollars. Uh, and the, of course, you can go to Mid America Baptist Theological Seminary dot edu forward slash Passion Play. That's M A B T S dot edu forward slash passion play and get your tickets or you can call the mid-american baptist theological seminary and order them there 901-751-8453 now let me tell you again this is the production it's called lord i believe now this is a cast a choir orchestra a crew there's over 500 people there Five thousand people attend each year you don't want to miss this this is something that literally you can come it'll change your life it can change your friends' and family's lives. You don't want to miss that. It's a it's a new theme and script this year. It's about one of the 12 disciples, Thomas, and he's a pessimist. He doubts that the other disciples have really seen Jesus in the flesh, and he is not going to believe in this resurrection of Jesus until he sees the nail prints in his hands and puts his hand in Jesus' side where the spear pierced him. And as Ted says, playing Peter, he has the dialogue about doubting Thomas. You don't want to miss that. Ted, thanks for being here. Jim, thank you so much, man. I appreciate you so much, just what you've meant to my life personally, but also what you've meant for Memphis. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. God bless you. God bless you. If you've just now tuned in, of course, that's been, we've been just talking with Jim Whitmire and Ted Miner. Coming up, Jason Harrington, some regrets that we all have made when it comes to finances. You do not want to miss what he's going to talk about because these things are very, very serious. I appreciate you listening so far. We've got much more to come. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and this is Talk Money. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. Jim Shoemaker, Jason Harrington, and Ted Miner are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Security and Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, as I was telling you earlier, the Government Accountability Office has recently published some information that 48% of households in America, headed by individuals at least age 55, have no retirement savings. Well, would you be, if you were now 55 and you had no retirement savings, would that be one of the biggest regrets that you could have. I would probably say so. I would say that you're probably going through that process of thinking, well, maybe, maybe I should have said something. Maybe I should have talked about this with the family. Maybe I, all of those are those things that we call regrets. Well, my guest is Jason Harrington. He is going to walk us through, and Ted Miners, you're also going to stay with us. We're going to walk through some of those regrets that Americans have said through a survey that they did with Bankrate.com and was published in the Financial Advisor magazine that they said, these are those that as I got older, I looked back at my life and said, uh-oh, I have at least one big gray regret that I wish I hadn't done. Well, we're going to talk about some of those. And one of those biggest regrets is not having saved enough money. Jason, that is what we see a lot, all the time. Ted, you know it. We do it. We talk to people. We wish we could reverse time for them, back them up, and say start again, but we can't. Jason, what do you see? Well, I think to give give the long-term savings conversation some context, I think 
when you tie up this big regret of not saving enough for retirement, really the root of that is procrastinating, you know, just thinking about, well, I'll do that next year. I'll do that the next year. I'll do that when I get a little older, uh, when my kids get out of college. But uh, to give some context to that savings uh, fallacy there, that if when you were uh, 25 years old, if you started saving $300 a month and you had a 5% return on those dollars, then you would have invested between 25 and 65 about $144,000, and you would have saved 450000 With 5% return. With a 5% return at $300 a month. If you put that objective off for 10 years and you start the same routine, $300 a month at age 35, you would have set aside $108,000, but you would have only saved $250,000. So almost half uh, of, of, really, of missed be, opportunity you know, in a, a decade. But you know, a 25-year-old and me talking about saving $300 is wasting my time. Absolutely. It I is, don't mean that. I, I understand. I, it's not wasting my time. And I feel for that. I don't mean for every 25-year-old that's what they do because they don't. But th- what you're saying is waiting... Waiting is, is very bad. expensive. It's extremely expensive. It's hundreds of thousands of dollars of expense. But you're right. A young person coming into our office today, it is hard to get them to think about stopping work when, in fact, they've, in essence, just started work. So it is important for us to have this conversation early and to think about it. I think one of the things that we they forget, everybody wants to talk about return, but what they don't realize is that time is a huge part of that formula. And the later they start, the less time they have to build that that income stream. How do you, let me ask this question, because it it apparently, one of the biggest regrets was the fact that they have waited too long and they didn't start. All right, if we know that, you know, and I talked about 48% of American families that are 55 years at least and older, at least 55, have no plan at all. How do you change that? What do we say to them to to move that dial where they can think earlier? Is that just the norm for that young person to say, I want to buy a truck, I want to buy the 60-inch plasma TV, I want to buy a fishing boat, you know, whatever? Or, or do they think retirement is just never going to happen? Well, you know, it is immediate gratification to be able to buy that TV I or buy that. that. And so so you you're you're dealing with with the flesh there. People have a desire to want to enjoy things right now. Consumer, so, we want to consume. Sure. And so that that is the the big thing to overcome. And plus when uh, you know, it's, it even goes beyond that. When young people get married, I find them spending money on couches and sofa and new cars and new homes long before they really are ready to do that, and they also make the retirement uh, savings suffer for that for that too. And then they also get in debt. We talk about debt. I mean, these are all things that that they think are good at the time, but looking back, they realize it's cost them a lot more than they thought it would cost them. Right, and the statistics are not improving. Um, there, you know, year over year, the statistics get. Uh, they're, they more negatively reflect this mindset of we can wait on retirement. I'm, uh, a recent confidence survey for the baby boomer generation done in 2018 
showed that 70, 76% of baby boomers just weren't confident in retirement. And you think about that. Uh, and when think, you say confident in retirement, is that meaning confident preparing for co- retirement? No, they weren't confident that their uh, oh, baby retirement, boomers. Okay. yeah, that, boomers. that they sorry. were going to be prepared for the, for retiring or they were going to run out of money. And you think about living in retirement with no income source, how potentially miserable that experience could be at a time when you're supposed to be yeah, enjoying you know, it. And you've got health care costs that's going out of the, you know, out of the sea, off of, over the ceiling. It's just going up and up and up. And then you think about this when we talk about, I, I said this in the monologue also, that a 65-year-old couple that's both being 65, there's a 48% chance at least one of them is going to live to be 90. Now, guys, that's a long time. That I mean, and you think about when I started in this business years ago, just a few years ago, okay. uh, if I could get to somebody to 72, 73, 74, they were done. They, I didn't have to think about it after that. So they retired between 62 and 65. They were dead and gone by 72, 73, and retirement was not an issue. That's not the case today. It is not. Uh, Jim, I tell you, you know, when you get uh, one of the bigger problems, too, is that you get people that are in corporate America and they have a match. And all of a sudden they think if they give to that match, they don't really do any planning. They don't really see what that amounts to later on. They just say, okay, I've been given to my 401k all these years. I got the match from my employer. They have no idea what that even amounts to. Most people cannot uh, equate whether a million dollars in a bucket of money is that equivalent, better than or less than a $60,000 a year income. No one has, they haven't sit down to plan. As much time as they put into a vacation, they don't put that time into planning. Yeah, they think because I have the 401k or participate in the 401k, then my retirement I'm is okay. going to be okay. And, which and they is don't just take that amount. That's right. right. You mentioned health care. Uh, Fidelity came out with a, a study uh, in 2018 that, on average, and th- now this is an out-of-pocket number, not okay. counting insurances. Okay. This is this out, is of, out, out of, of your own that pocket. I'm going to pay myself. That the average retiree would pay around $280,000 in health care costs. Uh, that's a big, big, big chunk of money. That's a lot of money. That, that you're pulling out of and your And I think people account. just have to wake up. And I, and I think if we can get that across in the program, waking up, understanding that it doesn't happen just because you are, as you said, Ted, got a 401k, they are, you know, I've got some health insurance. They've got to think through that process. If you just tuned in, my guest, Jason Harrington, Ted Miner, we're talking about reality around regrets. We all have them. Well, we're talking about financial regrets. And the first one we did was not saving for retirement early enough. We got several more. You're not going to be surprised, I don't think, what they are. In fact, if you sit down and started right now writing a few of these down, I think you're going to probably write down what we're going to say because they're epidemic. We all do them. We all just run around and say, I'll take care of this later. You said it, procrastination. We'll be back in just a minute. Ted Miner, Jason Harrington, regrets that we all have. You're listening to Talk Money. If you have questions you'd like to have answered on the program, email them to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. There are many great moments in the career of Senator Kenneth McKellar. He was the first senator from Tennessee to complete more than three terms, having served from 1917 to 1953, and held the position of President Pro Tem of the Senate under the current system in Congress during the Truman administration. With two economic landmarks named in his honor, 
Lake McKellar next to the Memphis Industrial District on President's Island, and McKellar Airport in Jackson, Tennessee, it comes as no surprise that the senator was an early supporter of the creation of the Tennessee Valley Authority during the New Deal era. Despite the initial support, McKellar's relationship with the TVA grew strained over time as Tennessee landowners felt they were not properly reimbursed for property acquired by the TVA. McKellar, who served as chairman of the Powerful Appropriations Committee, intervened on the landowner's behalf. He knew that the uranium enrichment program from the Manhattan Project, which created the atomic bomb, was heavily dependent on the electricity produced by the TVA and threatened to defund the program until the TVA fully reimbursed the landowners. After President Roosevelt's death, his successor, Harry Truman, did not appoint a vice president, which placed McKellar next in line to become president until the law was changed in 1947. After running for a seventh Senate term, McKellar lost to Albert Gore Sr. in 1952. A longtime ally of E.H. Crump, McKellar's defeat in the senatorial race, coupled with the victory of an anti-Crump progressive candidate in the gubernatorial election, marked the end of an era in Tennessee public life. This has been another Mid-South History Moment, brought to you by Shoemaker Financial. This material represents an assessment of the market environment at a specific point in time and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information is not investment advice or a recommendation. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, what is it that you regret most when it comes to talking about your finances? As you get older, you may look back over the last 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years and say, I regret not doing this or I regret doing this. Well, we talked about retirement and the reality is we found out that 48% of Americans today do not, do not have a retirement plan, no retirement savings at all. 48% have no savings. Now, I would say that if I was, that's 55 years and older, I would regret not having the savings. Now, here's the thought. If you think about that, that's one that we should have started. But what is it that you didn't do? Now, that's understandable. You didn't start a retirement savings plan. Well, let's talk about one of those regrets that you did. And, of course, what I'm talking about is maybe you started a student loan or you started a credit card debt. We found out that basically from the Financial Advisor magazine article, that reality that people in just borrow too much money, too much credit card debt, and too much student loan debt. Jason? You see it, 44 million borrowers today with a $1.56 trillion student loan debt. What's the problem? Well, this is, this is a, a debt crisis. I mean, right now, uh, student lending is the second highest consumer debt only behind mortgages. So if you add up everyone's mortgage... Wow. Across the United States, student loans are just right behind that. Uh, you know, I think one of the problems is the rising cost of education. Um, rising uh, Education and public tuition last year went up 3.5%. Private tuition a little bit higher than that last year. Average costs for college today, uh, according to LendingTree, is about 83000 for an in, in-state uh, uh, in-state tuition, tuition. not counting room, room and, board. and board and other fees that you're going to private school, 
listen to this number, 188,000, according to LendingTree. And that's, that's a, those are remarkable numbers for a, a young student to go out and try to, try to pay for So you're telling me that student loan debt is higher than credit card debt and auto loan debt, second only to mortgage debt. Mortgage debt, that's and right. And people are just, it's rolling, and, and, and so the cost is going up. And I, I just feel like that should there be some kind, some kind of a way or is it just becoming so easy, Ted, that they just just step out and do it? Or is there something that parents are responsible for this? Jim, I think you mentioned it there. It's just the ease of doing it. Sometimes they get in the in the emotion of the moment. I want to get an education. And they find out they can get a loan. They don't think of how much it's going to cost, and they don't think of how much it balloons. So many times they don't even inquire about the interest rate. I mean. It's amazing to me how many people, when I sit down and work with them, I find out they've still got six and eight and nine percent mortgages on their house. I mean, they they haven't gone back to refinance when they could for many years. Interest has been lower. Same way with these uh, student loans. Many of them can be refinanced when they get out, and they don't. They just continue to pay. It's habits, and we make things too easy sometimes for these people that are in an emotional decision. Instead of them thinking through it, they they realize they can sign the pen and go to college. They can sign with a pen and then go to college. I, I think it's also kind of this double-edged sword. If you look at two of the top, you know, five regrets, according to this article, one was bar, a student borrowing, you know, as a right, student, borrowing right. money. And then secondly, the parent not setting aside enough. And so uh, somehow this education has to get... Uh, has to get funded, and and you're seeing less and less statistically across the United States the parents feeling the burden of this more than the student. Oddly enough, uh, the average student is borrowing around thirty thousand dollars to go to college. The parents of the students are borrowing around thirty four thousand. And, and a big problem with that is many of those parents are spending their retirement income savings. To pay for education. So, now guys, you mentioned something, Jason. That you said uh, we were talking about two two regrets. In other words, too much credit card debt, but you're saying also too much student loan debt by the student. That you added the third one in there. Yeah. That's the parent not doing enough savings for college education. They they have the baby, the child. They want that child to go to college. And so they don't start saving then. That goes back to that. Is it procrastination or lack of discipline? I think it's it's probably a little bit of both and just the overwhelming cost when a parent sits down. We have we have parents come in that have a two-year-old, a four-year-old, a six-year-old child, and we start to project the cost of college uh, for their young child. And the number is it's overwhelming. just overwhelming to them. Yeah. And so you see that... Uh, uh, last year, I want to say that uh, 29% of parents were setting aside money for college, which is down almost half of what it was two years ago. So it's, just, um, got it's to- just gotten to where I think the number is just a, is just a little overwhelming to them. And in that planning process and thinking through it, a lot of, a lot of people aren't aware of the fact that in the state of Tennessee, you can go to a junior college right. with very, very little cost and then transfer. And so it can cut your cost so substantially. So two-year college, you know, starting out in, in this junior college, transfer then to a four-year college, get your degree from the four-year college, yeah. you still get an education. And it cuts the cost why dramatically. Why are we doing more of that? Why, why isn't that just where we, instead of having four years at 
whatever, I'm not going to name a school, an SEC school, let's just say it that way. But why Why is it that the issue? Why is everybody thinking, i got to do that? Is well, it the experience? I think, Jim, having I've got twin girls that are about to go to, go to, to one of the, SEC, one of the schools. SEC schools. And I think one of the problems is we just got some stubborn kids. <laughs> I do, at least. You know. uh, they now would not. They would person. not engage in that conversation. <laughs> they wouldn't even think about. They it. wouldn't think about it. But I, you know what? It is a remarkable savings, and I think that there's two things that I worry about. Either a, you're going to see more students uh, taking that option. Just they're going to have to. But then, does that put pressure on your four-year schools to increase tuition even more? to offset the lack of students that are going oh, to Oh, we could get school, into that so. conversation. If you just tuned in, my guest, Jason Harrington, Ted Miner, we're talking about financial regrets. We've covered four. We've got a couple of more to go. You're going to be surprised what these last two that we're going to discuss is. So if you've been taking notes, keep your pen handy. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Again, I'm Jim Shoemaker, and you're listening to, and we appreciate it, Talk Money. Podcasts for Talk Money are available for iOS mobile devices in the iTunes Store. Just search Shoemaker Financial. We'll be right back with Talk Money after this. The S&P is an unmanaged index of 500 large cap stocks. Investors cannot invest in an index. And now back to Talk Money with your host, Jim Shoemaker. Well, we've been talking with Ted Miner and Jason Harrington. We're talking about financial regrets that as you live long enough, I mean, bottom line is you're going to have a few of those stashed away in the closet upstairs that you don't want to pull out because it smells bad. You know you made that mistake. But how do you correct it? How do you go through that process? And what are they? Well, we're talking about some, but we've talked about everything from, you know, too much student loan debt. We talked about too much credit card debt, too much not no, not not enough savings for retirement. We've even gone through this whole process as we kind of put together that you needed to save some money for college education. We even found out that Jason is blessed with two daughters that are stubborn now That's you right. know they are I, product of they're product a product of, of us of, so of it's our parents. fault you know no you know. question they're product <laughs> of your parents but here's the thought jason i appreciate because you know i'm not they're lovely ladies beautiful twin girls and they've they just just princesses all the way around here's the issue is it peers or is it stubbornness I mean, peer pressure of where they go to college is enormous. Absolutely. I think that that in our home was, uh, I think, an ultimate driver. I mean, they wanted to go and and they had built this experience in their head and conversations with their friend group. And uh, they've got their life planned out, of course, figured out. They're yep. 18, so they've got it all and By you the know, way, and no out. need for mom and dad. No, now, by the no way, impact. that's what you've been working for that's 18 right. years that's to right. get them to. And so you've been successful, <laughs> maybe too much success. <laughs> exactly, but I think I think the peer pressure does have some aspect. You know, the the four year college it presents itself very well to these students. Oh, I mean, yeah. there's a lot of attractive they're recruiting. components. Absolutely, they're, they're recruiting. Absolutely. And so that's what that is the problem from that standpoint. And we talked about the fact that there is a cap that the student can only borrow up to so much, and that's then that's right. when it falls to the responsibility. Of the, a third party, a third party somewhere. You know, one of the reasons you see a sort of a level leveling off of student loan debt. It's not rising; it's still there, and it's a huge, huge number. But on a per person basis, it's not increasing year to year because there is a cap. You know, uh, parents, there is no cap. There's no they cap. They can borrow they the rest of it, you know, as much as they, they need, to, or take money from their four hundred one k. As you said, t- Ted, earlier. 
You know, I I was sitting here thinking about Jason's, and I was thinking about my boys, and I thought it might have been a good program for me to offer to give them a car if they'd just stay home. Post, <laughs> no post kidding, no school. kidding. That would have been a whole lot cheaper. A lot what cheaper. Happened? I'm, and I'm serious about that. I've thought about that. If I had another one, I'm, I won't be. But if You've got a grandson, that, though. You can I do can do. Yeah. I can think about that. To influence them in another way, because marketing, as you were talking about, marketing is huge for these for these uh, young people in terms of the experience for college. Absolutely. And you've got to overcome that somehow yeah, because expense is great. Guys, we've talked about several different regrets that people have. We've, we've gone through that. Give me, you know, we, one of those that you mentioned during the break, and I think is important for everybody to know, mm-hmm. is not having enough emergency expenses. Right. I mean, savings. You know, a recent statistic um, out of this uh, bankrate.com article that we referenced earlier in the show was that 62% of people don't have an emergency reserve. Um, or uh, money set aside for emergency. This is kind of like a, a silent financial killer because you don't ever really plan for, you know, and expect an unexpected emergency. Exactly. I mean, that's, that's what and it's And that can there. be a health care cost. That can be a roof repair. That can be the compressor on the air conditioner. That's that right. can be having the refrigerator make a, goes the refrigerator. out. I mean, it can be big expenses or, that you know, small expenses, but it's that emergency fund that you don't have to go figure out someplace else to get it, correct? And you end up getting it from one of the regrets, which is from credit cards or right. something like that. But it is uh, it can be... Uh, you know, death by a thousand cuts of little things, or it can be one one real big that's big a, thing. And the great... th- funny thing is, we know these things are going to happen, right? Yeah, I, but we you know emergency funds are, are not the Christmas card savings account no, 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 no. where you're going to save for Christmas. We all know Christmas is going to take place on the 25th of December. That's not your. Is emergency it the same? Fund. It's the same day every this year. year. I've okay, noticed yeah. that over right. my lifetime. Okay. It's the same every year. And by the way, it's just one of those things. And it's amazing how people will take a savings account and spend it. You know, that's not, I mean, an emergency account and spend it for Christmas and then wonder why they don't have the emergency account when something happens in January. The last one is, we talk about? The last one would be buying a house, uh, too big of a home. Uh, or a house that. that we can't really afford. And and I see this a lot. This happens in, a, in uh, not just going out and purchasing a home, but taking a home that you bought as your starter home and then finding another home. You hear a lot of this is our forever home and kind of flipping the equity from that first home and, and, and justifying it with, well, our house notes about the same. But yep. what they don't count is... The other, the homeowners association, or the the property taxes, or maintenance, table. or buying the new lawnmower. That's right. Yeah, I think that what has happened over the last ten, fifteen years, when interest rates have been real low, you've had a lot of younger people buy bigger homes because the mortgage isn't what you and I used to pay for. When I remember, I financed a home here at fifteen percent in nineteen eighty when interest rates were really high. So what they do is they they borrow as much as they can when it was three percent, three and a half percent. And they end up with a bigger home than they need, and there's expenses associated with a home, and they have that regret later on. Yeah, it cost them 2000 to paint their last home, but it's going to cost them 7000 to paint this new home. And they just don't think about that when they're calculating this, uh, this home purchase. Well, let me review, because I want to make sure we kind of covered these things. Not saving for early retirement. That's a biggie. We found out that 48% have no savings whatsoever. Not saving enough money for emergency expenses we just covered. Taking on too much student loan debt. Boy, that's a big out of date. I mean, uh, one, 44 million people are borrowing money, $1.56 trillion. 
taking on too much credit card debt, not saving enough for children's education, and, as we just covered, buying a house too big, too much house for what you should have. Ted Miner, Jason Harrington, thanks, guys, for being a part of today's program. Thank you for having us. You guys always do a great job. Of course, I want to tell everybody, thanks for listening. You've been listening to The Voice, KWAM 990 and FM 107.9. My guest, Jason Harrington, Ted Miner. If you would like to talk with him personally, call him at 757-5757. We hope you've enjoyed today's program. I'm Jim Shoemaker. This is Talk Money. Talk Money is produced by Greg Ratliff. Guest and content coordination, Francis Fortner. Production assistant, Eleanor Moskovitz. Compliance officer, Tommy Armstrong. Mid-South History Moment, Rebecca Brazier and Drew Johnson. We'll see you next week on Talk Money. Jim Shoemaker, Jason Harrington, and Ted Miner are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Security and Financial Services, Inc. Securities dealer, member FNIRA, SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.